I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to a special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Today, we're going to be diving into USC baseball. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, alongside uscfootball.com intern Jack Smith, who, as well as helping us out throughout the football season, is also a voice of the KXSC radio crew that calls USC games. He's been on the call for some of the USC baseball games. He's a big baseball fan. I'm a big baseball fan. Obviously, my side gig does college baseball as well. So we've both been following along and been watching a really fun development as the USC baseball program is on the upswing under head coach Andy Stankiewicz. The group, you know, got off to a kind of up and down start, but they are now, I believe it is 16, 10 and one heading into this week's midweek game, but nine and three in conference play. They've really turned it on the last month. So we, we had a lot of people that we've been really engaged on the peristyle talking about the bat, the baseball team's progress. So we wanted to bring you guys a peristyle podcast that focuses just on the baseball team. And Hey, this might be something we continue to do regularly. Uh, you know, on a weekly basis, potentially, as we kind of wrap up how the, the Trojans are progressing as they try to make it to the postseason for the first time since 2015 and the second time since 2005, I believe it is. So, you know, it's been a long time coming for that one. Uh, this group has gotten off to a great start, just like the 2015 group. They have had success in the Pac-12 the opening couple of weeks. Now it's been a little bit lighter of a schedule at the front end, and it'll be tougher as they get into the back half of the schedule. But we're basically at the halfway point of the season. So Jack and I wanted to get together for a shorter podcast to look at what has gone well for the Trojans, what is still to be found out about them, and what kind of, you know, what's kind of caught our eyes so far. Jack, how are you doing tonight on National Championship College Basketball Night? Obviously, we're talking about baseball. You know how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I like to talk about baseball just about any day. I'm doing very well, and I'm excited because the USC baseball program, you know, hasn't been talked about a lot recently. And now, with the with the with their play to open this season, I think they're turning heads, and people want to hear our thoughts about them. And I'm excited to share our thoughts about them. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of games from afar. I got a chance to catch a, a couple of games when I was out there in LA last month. Um, but you know, the the good thing about being on the East Coast is I get to go cover my games for D1 baseball that I'm covering, and then come home because there's going to be Pac-12 games on late at night. So I flip on the Pac-12 network, um, and, and you know, and then we'll see. It. I think I'm the only person in New Jersey that has the Pac-12 network, but I'm definitely tuned in to a lot of college baseball throughout the throughout the game, uh, throughout the day, and throughout the the, the night uh, for for some of these Pac-12, and especially when a, a game like last night, um, uh, Sunday night, USC has to play a 6 p.m. game in Utah because. Utah doesn't have their own field. You know, they, they share a field with the Salt Lake Bees, the AAA minor league team, of, I believe still the, the Los Angeles Angels. Um, and because of that, there have been some rain. USC had, and Utah had to play at BYU on Friday. You know, when, when you have to play at your rival's field, that's kind of interesting. We'll see where USC baseball ends up playing in a couple of years when the Olympics are in town and take over and they don't have a home field. 
maybe they'll end up at Jackie Robinson Stadium playing at UCLA Field. That would be definitely be weird, but you know, we'll see what happens there. But they had to go down to Provo to play the game. They got it in. USC wins that behind a marvelous performance from Tyler Stromsberg. Uh, complete game shutout for USC. And they go back-to-back, back-to-back shutouts. First time, I believe, since 2018 that they've done it. Um, and, you know, the, the starting pitching has been terrific for them. They did drop the finale yesterday. Uh, and, you know, and then they had to wait until Monday morning to be able to fly home from Utah. So they're on a short week this week because it's Easter week. The Pac-12 celebrates Easter by moving their games up a day. So they'll play Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week. They also have a midweek game. So that's going to be a challenging week for them. Now they play LMU, a team they should beat. They play San Diego State this weekend, a team they should beat. But these are the type series that kind of define you that at the end of the season, people don't really realize that was a tough stretch for them because of this other challenge, this other challenge. So we'll see how they do with that. But that's something that surprised me about this group, Jack, is they've met all those type challenges so far this season, whether it be – Hey, you know, there's going to be rain in L.A. a lot. And suddenly you're supposed to be having Auburn coming in, a team that's coming off a College World Series appearance, big marquee matchup for you playing an SEC team. On Tuesday, they just go, you know what, this is not going to work. It's not going to work with this rain. And the the coaching staff, and give them credit, and give credit to the the, uh, admin as well, they said, let's talk with Auburn. Let's see if we can get it figured out. And both sides, Auburn and USC admins, did a phenomenal job to get that series switched to the Plains in Auburn, USC goes there and doesn't have success, but that's one of the challenges they had. And, uh, you know, one of the things that actually they've grown from is those type of challenges. So we'll see how they do this week. But, Jack, we're just going to – we're going to hit this off with three topics from each of us that have really kind of caught our eye as the season has gone on and, you know, may kind of define the season as it goes along. You know, what's the first thing that's kind of stood out to you about this group having watched them uh, and, and, you know, what they've been able to do so far? Yeah, I mean, I feel weird starting off with a singular player because we've talked about the cohesive group and how they have rallied from challenges, but I'll bet it's a player that we both have on our radar. Seemingly everyone on the message board has them on has him on their radar as well because he's a football and a baseball player, and that's Austin O'Vern, who has already tied the USC record for triples in a season just about halfway through the year. I would assume he'll probably set the record sometime this week, and he might set a new record that no one will touch for a very long time. He's got 10 triples on top of a home run, which he hit, uh, just a couple days ago against Washington State, a bunch of doubles, plays a great center field. And it's crazy that this, this guy who was a walk-on wide receiver for USC, he's still only a freshman, has really supplanted himself as the clear leadoff hitter, the best hitter on the team so far this year, and a table setter for Andy Stankiewicz as, as just a freshman and kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and you know he's a guy that oh, they're excited about the athleticism and seeing what he can do, but also the coaching staff wasn't sure what they had in Austin O'Vern because – he didn't do a ton in the fall. Now he kind of he basically you know a little bit two thirds three four three quarters of the way through the football season basically was like I'm not going to play this year. I can't play because they'll have to put me on scholarship. That whole thing with the NCAA rules there, and said I'm going to shut it down for football and go over to baseball and get as much as I can in. But you know they didn't really know what they had in Austin Overn for a long time because he was you know doing football. And actually you know if you watch the thing that stands out to me about Austin Overn. Um, you know, not knowing, you know, not having seen him play in high school, uh, you know, not having seen him play football in high school is he was making the highlight clips when USC's putting out their practice stuff, you know, making some of the uh, the older guys miss and stuff and showing that he had some moves. And you go, OK, that's some elite athleticism there. And then you see the times as far as his speed. You know, he runs the, the 60 is what, you know, baseball players run instead of the 40 yard dash they run a 60. He, his fastest one he was timed at, he told me at a showcase was 6.17. 
That's elite. Um, and the fact that, you know, you think that, uh, you, you know, with a fast guy, you know, opponents are thinking he's just going to he's going to try to pound the ball into the ground. You know, he's kind of that each swing left handed. He's going to get out of the box, try to beat it out. No, this kid can drive the ball, too. And that's where you see you don't get to 10 triples if you can't drive the ball a little bit. Um, and, you know, that's been, been the thing that's been impressive for him. And, you know, I saw him at the beginning of March. And he was going kind of ups and downs and, you know, kind of hitting those freshmen. Okay, our team's going to figure him out a little bit. And Andy Stankowitz, when I talked to him, said, yeah, he's got a little swing and miss there. we got to, you know, work on, you know, making more contact. He's definitely done that last month. He's turned it on. And, you know, and they moved him from the bottom of the lineup to the top to be that leadoff hitter for him. So he gives him speed at the top of the lineup. And, you know, you always wonder about a freshman. It's like, oh, are they going to be able to handle that? So they start him at the bottom of the lineup, gave him that chance to kind of get his feet wet, and he's just taken off from it. And, you know, the triples are, are super impressive. Um, you know, I've watched a couple of them. I thought initially, okay, maybe teams are thinking he's a light hitter, so they're playing up a little bit. So then if you get a ball in the gap, now that Alfred has to run that much further to go to the wall to get it, and that's why he's getting a couple of these. And maybe that was the case. But the last couple, you know, I've seen, I've been watching the, the games when he's had the last couple of them. One of them was the last, last week during a midweek, I believe it was, um, and he hits one down the left field line. Like, he just gets it just barely inside the left field line. You know, that's the opposite field. No one hits a triple to the left field corner, and he did. The ball got away from the the, the defender just barely, and he just, he just never slows down. As soon as he comes out of the box, he does an amazing job on the turn at first and second base, and that's part of the reason why he's so good at getting triples. Um, and then the last one, you know, was played really well by the Utah, you know, uh, center fielder, I, I believe it was, the one that fielded it. He hit one to left center field. He's got he's got three or four that have gone to left center or left field, and that's what's so impressive to me. It's not just, hey, he hit it in the right field corner, and, hey, that's a really long throw. you got to make the relay, all those type things, and speed's going to win. Or you hit it to the gap to right center field, and the center fielder's playing in, you know, those type things. He's hitting them to left field, left center field, just just – Tearing a uh, tearing a hole in the in the base pass as he rounds the the bases and Andy Stankowitz, I talked to him today and he actually told me he's like the the outfielder played that one really well for at Utah you know I thought it was going to be close and really it wasn't he just he just is, is flying around the bases makes it look so easy like you said he's got ten triples to tie the record set by Grant Green in two thousand eight or two thousand nine so he's definitely going to set the USC record. But he may set the NCA record because the record is 17. Now he's got half a season to go. I mean, the fact that they have played, uh, what is it? They played 27 games out of 55. He's halfway th- through the season. That means he's got a great opportunity. If he can continue to have success at the plate, you know, being consistent, putting the ball in play, you know, he's got a great chance to to go and set that record too. So uh, that would be quite an accomplishment. You know, if you're a true freshman, you can set a set a, a new school record, but also an NCAA record. You're doing something pretty well there. So, yeah, Austin O'Vern has been special. Um, and a lot of people want to know, because of Austin O'Vern, the fact that he is a dual sport player, what about Deuce Robinson? Deuce Robinson has committed. And, again, I talked to when I talked to Andy Stankowitz today, he said, you know, they're hoping they get him. You know, obviously there's a big-time potential there with Deuce and what he can do on the baseball field. But they now have to wait out and see what happens with the MLB draft. Lincoln Riley sounded pretty confident that, hey, we're going to get Deuce Robinson one way or another because he's going to go play baseball either at USC, he's going to play it, you know, and professionally, but he still is intending to play football regardless in the fall. Baseball is uh, – Andy Stankowitz in that group, 
they're not as confident in that, that they're going to get him. It will depend on what happens in the draft. So we'll see what happens. But they were, you know, they're really excited about the potential of adding him because, you know, you, you, a true athlete with power for days, you know, and the fact that if the, he gets to work with Travis Jewett, I think Travis Jewett's one of the best hitting coaches in, in, the, in the nation. Uh, you know, I, because, you know, I cover the entire nation. You know, I talk to a lot of coaches. What he has done with this group that does not have as much talent as some of the teams they're playing and how consistently, you know, they're excelling on the offensive side. He, he's one of the best coaches that, that I've ever been around. You know, listen to him talk and, you know, with it, work with his players. I would love to see that combination. I know Deuce Robinson is raw, but he has some, some you know, elite skills there, definitely. We'll see if he makes it to, to, uh, makes it to Dado Field as well as to Howard Jones Field for practices. Yeah, I've met and at spring training talked with a couple MLB coaches, including an actual bench coach for an MLB franchise who says that Deuce's swing is one of his favorite swings in the entire draft. And that's a football player you're talking about, but has the potential to be a really, really, really good baseball player. I mean, his comp is is Aaron Judge and no one's saying, you know, he's going to immediately go hit 62 homers in the American League. But with when your comp is Aaron Judge and you have the athleticism that Deuce Robinson has proven that he has, I mean, he's going to be a, a force on the baseball field if the coach can figure him out. And I agree with what you've said uh, about Coach Travis Jewett. I, I think that he can definitely figure out Deuce's swing. And he's figured it out with a lot of the USC guys because one of the other things that I wanted to write down is just the, the different ways that USC can score. And their offensive approach has really wowed me specifically recently. Going back to that uh, Washington State series, we had seen that USC could hit the long ball. I mean, you've got guys like Cole Gabrielson hitting a bunch of home runs. Johnny Olmstead, Nick Lopez hit a bunch early in the year. But USC scored 13 runs in the Friday night matchup versus Washington State without a single home run it was just clutch hit after bunt after getting on base and it, it was just moving the line and Andy Stankiewicz and and the entire team was they seemed very much committed to the plan once they realized oh there's a bunch of wind rolling around in the air we're not hitting the ball out of the park let's keep the ball on the ground or on a line move the next guy over bring in a run and, and they were so good and methodical with that against a team in Washington State who had been pretty good up to that point had knocked off Oregon State in a series had started off the season I believe it was 12 and 0 their best start since I think it was 2006 um and it was just it, it was a sight to see because this team that we had seen hit home runs all year had scored 13 runs without hitting one ball over the fence and so one thing that has really wowed me specifically recently and I'm sure it's a testament to what Travis Jewett is doing with the hitting is just the way this w- different ways that they can score and the different kind of rallies they can build with the different kinds of hitters they have. And you mentioned it. This isn't the most talented group. I mean, there's guys that you look at and like, like Cole Gabrielson, who's in his fifth year, Austin O'Vern, as we mentioned, just a true freshman, but there's, there's some patchwork pieces on this roster still kind of like, as we talked about uh, with the USC defense and how we've talked with them a bunch of times on the football field is this is still a roster that went four and eight last year is what we said for football. This is a roster last year for USC and baseball that only won two Pac-12 series, had a very bad year um, that eventually led to uh, the firing and then new hiring of Andy Stankiewicz. And so it's still a roster that had holes. They did add in the transfer portal. They brought in some some good freshmen, but still not a perfect roster. Andy Stankiewicz, through more recruiting paths, will be able to build a better roster. So you've got the hitting at the level that it is right now with players that you think you will upgrade upon in the future and some young guys like Overn, maybe even Deuce Robinson, who will be coming in or coming back next year. I think there's there's a lot of potential 
for this team. And it's crazy to think this is only year one and they're already setting and reaching all these new heights. You mentioned that they didn't get the sweep against Utah, but that was still their fourth Pac-12 series win in the four Pac-12 series they've played this year. They only won two last year. The last time they won three in a row in general was back in 2015, which you mentioned is the last time they made the postseason. Now they've won four in a row. They've won all four that they've played and they've done so against some pretty good teams, including that Stanford series, uh, which was a big win at the time. And they'll have some tests coming up with Oregon and UCLA around the corner uh, and San Diego State. It's a decent matchup this weekend, but it's been very impressive, especially in year one. And we're still only halfway through the year. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the Stanford series is huge for them because Stanford is is the it was the preseason Pac-12 pick to to be the champion this year. So uh, they're the defending champions. They've been to Omaha two years in a row. I think it was a big feather in their hat. But I asked I asked an interesting question to Andy Stankowitz or got an interesting answer from him. I asked him a question about when did the team kind of buy in and realize that they could be good? You know, they bought, you know, the, the, the coaching staff, I, I think it is a phenomenal coaching staff. Um, and you look at some of the names that are producing for them, uh, whether it be Johnny Olmstead, whether it be, you know, Cole Gabriel, some guys that haven't had success at this, at this level consistently. And, you know, look at the success they're having. Gabrielson's a guy that the previous staff really liked and obviously had some issues with, uh, you know, with transcripts and stuff that wasn't able to play until the end of the semester last year. So that really hurt him from getting a chance to get out there and make an impact. But, you know, Nick Lopez, Juco transfer, just kind of an afterthought for the team last year. He's having success. And then Overn obviously has been so good. Bryce Martin Grizzlonic couldn't get on the field at UCLA, couldn't find a spot for him. And he comes to USC and he's, you know, been a consistent performer for him. So, you know, the guys that are having success and that they're having success, even with a guy like Ryan Jackson, who they were really excited about in the fall because of all the small things that he does really well. And he's not had much success so far. So they get him going. He's a piece that you can slot in, you know, in that second spot, you can put him in, you know, at fifth, you can put him down the order. He just, he can do a lot of different things where he can drive in runs. He can be that guy for hit and run type of things. He can be an action type of, uh, of hitter. So I'm excited if they can get him going, you know, what more this offense can continue to produce as well. Ethan Hedges as well, a name that had not really even popped on, on the radar, and he's been a guy that's been a consistent starter for him. So they've had a lot of success with those different guys. But it, when did they buy in? I, I thought that was an interesting thing is, like, you know, the, the coaching staff said, hey, we got buy-in as soon as the team got here. But when you have a team that struggled, that is, has not had success – there, there usually is an aha type of moment where it's like, oh, wait, we're as good as the rest of these guys. We can compete. And I don't think this team has nowhere near the talent of that Stanford team that they beat. And they're probably – they're in the lower half for sure in talent, you know, overall roster talent in the Pac-12 this season. And that's because they were hired – you know, Andy Stankowitz was hired so late in the cycle, he didn't really have time to really mine the portal – so I'm just thinking about how much better this team is going to continue to be with Travis Jewett as your recruiting coordinator. He's a phenomenal recruiting coach, uh, too. If they can keep him on staff and he doesn't get another head coaching job in the next year or two, uh, you know, the, the longer they keep him on staff, I think the more this program is going to develop and develop quicker. And they're showing the proof in the pudding. Okay, so if you wanted to go to USC, but you're like, USC just hasn't been good. Why would I go there? You can now look at this team and go, okay, I see what you guys are doing. And if you're a guy that goes to the transfer portal this year, or if you're still undecided about your commitment at coming into high school, now maybe you're looking at USC more seriously for that. So I, I thought that was interesting. But when did the team buy in? When did they realize, 
we can play with these dudes. And surprisingly, when I asked Andy that, he said, it may sound strange, but it was after the Auburn series. So the Auburn series, they, you know, they didn't win a game. They went 0-2-1 in that series. And they, sh- they should have won that Sunday game. They had a player not step on the plate, and that's further proof of just you're you're not you know you're not used to winning. You're not used to being in that moment. Um, and you know it took them after that to be like, we were just a hit away here or a pitch away here from either winning the series, maybe even sweeping the series. Like we were right in that series with a team that's been to Omaha, I think two of the last three years, or maybe it's the last two. I can't remember uh, from Auburn on on their home turf. SEC program and the, the SEC is the vaunted conference in baseball, even much more so than football. I think you know the SEC has I think four of the top five teams right now in our D1 baseball ranking. So you know they are an elite pro, elite conference, and USC just went in there and like went toe to toe with them. Now they didn't find a way to get over the hump, but I think that was the chain the turning point for them to say we can play with these guys. We can play with UCLA. We can play with Stanford. You know, they have, they might have some more talent, but we can win that day. And that's the biggest thing in baseball is it's not about, you know, having the most assembled talent every single day. It's who your starting pitching is and do you make pitches in the right moments. Um, and that's something that stood out to me as well is, you know, the, the uh, Tyler Stromsberg at the front of it. Um, and I think you, you had starting pitching as well. Uh, but the, the pitching – was not very good at the beginning of the season. And suddenly the last couple of weeks, hey, they started pitching. They can uh, do some things here. And I think that's been the biggest difference for them going from a you know 500 team basically to suddenly they're, they're having success in the Pac-12 right now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I mean, after that Auburn series, which it wasn't a great series, even if they had come away with that win, I think it would have left a bad taste in their mouths. You know, they had to move it all the way to Alabama. They did not pitch well. They, I think it allowed five in game one, and then game two and game three allowed 12 runs in each. And they scored pretty well in, in game three, but the pitching was was really bad. They came back, lost a midweek game to UC Riverside, which is a game that, you know, maybe it was a hangover loss after having to fly back out of Alabama and and not getting that win. But after that, they go to the Southern California Collegiate Baseball Classic. They win two of three, and they really put up a fight against UCLA, lose a midweek game to Nevada. They have not been great in midweek games this year. I think that's like if you could still knock one thing despite the great start, it would be their midweek performances. But then they take the series against Stanford. They put the hurt on Cal Poly 16-3, to which is a good program in California. They beat Cal in a series. Then they beat Seattle in the midweek, which I think was their first midweek game of the year, or first midweek win of the year. That was a Wednesday. Then there's the Washington State series, which we already mentioned was a sweep. UC Irvine, they lose midweek. And then Utah, they win the series. And that's where we stand today. But they've really turned things around after that Auburn series. And 
after they they went and lost or two of the games and tied the other, everyone around here was kind of questioning whether they were going to be very good this year. And, you know, the Pac-12 start was right around the corner, didn't really know how to feel. And they really silenced a lot of people. And I think, I mean, everyone on campus, at least, and everyone at the games, there's there's a lot of energy at Dado Field right now that this is a team that could really compete. And even if, the, even if you know, they're playing above their performance level for the rest of the season right now, they've put themselves in a really great spot to make a run. They're number one in the Pac-12 right now, and, and they've just continued to compete. And Ford Pac-12 series wins to open the year can can really set you up nicely despite how you play down the stretch but yes you did mention the starting pitching and you mentioned Tyler Stromsberg he's gone 15 straight scoreless innings there was first ever complete game shutout against Utah he allowed I believe it was a two-run home run in his Friday night start in the first inning against Washington State but since then he's been scoreless scatters hits doesn't strike out a ton of guys doesn't have the most overpowering stuff but he's pitching to his defense which has admittedly been very good this year for USC and especially across the infield and he's a ground ball pitcher so it's helpful for him and then they've kind of mixed and matched a couple other guys and we mentioned they're maybe doing more with less with the offense but I think that's far more apparent in the starting rotation where Stromsborg's good uh he's not a guy that strikes out a lot and doesn't have you know the best stuff but he's making it work and then they also have Kade Naoki who has moved around didn't start much to open the year but now seems like he's going to be the Saturday guy Eric Hammond's a former top prospect, and he's a guy that they really want to see get going after surgery last year. He seems to be slotted in to pitch every Sunday, and they've mixed some other guys around. Blake Soddard seems thrown some midweek games. Jaden Agassi started as the Saturday starter, but since then, it's they're not they're not really sure exactly where they're going to use him. He's pitched in relief. He started the midweek game last week, um, but it's not the most talented group. And I think that the starting pitching is definitely less talented than the offense, which we talked about, but they've gotten some pretty great results recently. So I think if, if when you're looking at this season, it still looks pretty good. But when you start to think, as you mentioned about a couple years down the line, if Travis Jewett stays and Andy Stankwitz is still there building on the recruiting where people are now saying, yeah, no, I can go play at USC. Look, they, they are winning kind of like what we've seen in football in the last recruiting cycle where people just mentioned in last week, Hey, when I, you know, I didn't really know with Clay Helton being gone and were they actually going to win? And then they go out and uh, make it to the Pac-12 championship game, almost make the playoff. Now I'm just like, well, they're a historic program. Of course, if they're winning right now, why don't, why don't I go play at USC? And I think you could see the same thing for baseball. And when they're, already producing with the lower level of talent that they have right now. If you're adding talent on top of that, you can only just imagine the kind of growth that this team could have. And I think you're, you're right that, and Andy Stankwitz is right that they turned things around really after that Auburn series. Cause it's been pretty apparent that this is just a different team since they got back uh, from Auburn. Yeah. And, and I think the big thing has been the starting pitching moving Caden Aoki and he was banged up coming into the season. So that's why they had to slowly work him up. Same thing with Eric Hammond, you know, that he was on a pitch count throughout the first four or five starts this season. They're finally getting him. You know, he was able to pitch five in his last week against Washington State, which was a career high. Um, so they're working him up. Um, and, you know, he's obviously got a ton of talent, but he hasn't pitched basically in, in two years. So, you know, it, it's that's something that they're working through as well. But give Seth Etherton a ton of credit. You know, they, they've had some struggles, like you said, from the start in pitching. Stromsburg early in the season, Agassi behind him. Hammond, you know, he's got a 6-1-7 ERA. You know, it hasn't been good. But the pieces behind that have been fantastic. You know, they've gotten a, a collection of bullpen arms that have been really good for them, led by Garrett Clark. I mean, he's been phenomenal in the back end for them. You know, he's been a guy that's been, you know, an underrated guy for USC the last couple of years. Um, and it's just been consistently a, a solid arm for them in the back end or in the bullpen. 
and you know you can use him in different roles. You can throw him for a couple innings if you need to. You can you know however you want to use him. Um, but this year he's kind of taken over that closer role because he's been the guy that's been the most consistent. He's striking out you know almost a guy per inning. He's got four saves. Him and the combination of him and Josh Blum, who struck out 26 guys in 18 innings, that bullpen has some pieces that you can get excited about. Blum has some really good stuff. Kyle Wish, who's a transfer from Nebraska, has been at USC for a couple years now. He's been really good. Caden Conley gives him a really nice left-handed arm as well. And then, you know, they got Toby Spock, who's got elite stuff. If they can get him going, they can get him consistently throwing strikes, then he could be a piece that could add to that as well. Um, so there's some pieces in the back end that have been really good for them. And if they can just get the starter to give them five, six, seven innings, then, you know, five or six at least, then you feel confident turning it over to those those three or four other guys in the back end to go, give you one inning or two innings each and be able to lock up a game. And that's kind of been the 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 key for them. And then I think the most important guy on this roster for USC's potential this season might just be Blake Sodderson. Because you have Jay Nagasi who struggled, because you had Caden Aoki and uh, you know and uh, Eric Hammond who have not been able to be you know full hundred percent throw hundred pitches every single time out. So and you know with the struggles they've had on you know especially Saturdays and Sundays, they need somebody to eat up some innings. So that's been him. He started some midweek games, but he's also you know he can give them long relief. You know he's a guy they wish they could throw three or four times a week to give them three innings or whatever. Uh, three innings and two runs or three innings and a run, and they'd be happy with that and then you know, work it on. Uh, he's a guy that comes from CSUN. He's an experienced guy, and they've really worked on some some mechanical stuff to get some more movement on his pitches, uh, to get him off the barrel of the bat for some some, some of the batters. And he's been uh, much more successful uh, later in the season. You know, he struggled his first – I think it was first those first two weeks, basically. Auburn and – you know, he had a really nice out against Maris, but everyone had a nice out against Maris. But then against Auburn and Riverside, he struggled a little bit. And since then, he's been pretty pretty darn good for them, pretty consistent for them. So he might be the most important arm because he's the guy that can connect that starting pitch into the back end if someone can't give them five or six innings, um, which has been the case uh, a lot of the times. But back to real quick, back to Strongsburg. You know, he's the, he's been key for them to keep that bullpen from being overtaxed on Friday, like it was a couple of those early starts. So him. Finding his fastball consistency has been the biggest thing. Andy Stangwood says he can throw his curveball anywhere at any time he wants to. But if you fall behind an account and it's 2-0 and 3-1 and teams know that you're going to be able to throw a fastball, uh, you know, that, that curveball is great to keep him off balance. But if you can't throw the fastball for a strike and they, now they can sit on the curveball, then, it, you know, it, it defeats the purpose of, of being, a, you know, having an elite secondary pitch if you don't have the the fastball to, to complement it. And he's been able to pitch to all four quadrants much better the last couple of weeks. I think that's really been the key for him. So give a lot of credit to, to Seth Etherton just seeing that pitching staff and how it continues to develop as well. I, I think that's been kind of eye-opening because I thought that was the thing that would hold him back, and especially after the first couple of weeks, it seemed like that was the, the, going to be the case as well. Yeah, I mean, a couple notes on the pitchers you mentioned. Soderston, he has only made three starts, but the second most innings thrown on the team behind Stromsburg. So, I mean, he's very key for them just to eat up those innings. And, you know, 5.11 ERA, it's not the best, but you take out those two starts or the two outings early in the season, it's looking a lot better, especially when he gives you the length that he does. And it's not, you know, length at the start of a game all the time, but it's sometimes even more valuable when he can bridge that gap and give you three innings if the starter only goes about four. Uh, he struck out three. 33 
batters in 24 and two thirds. So he's got strikeout stuff. Doesn't walk a ton of guys averaging less than a walk or one walk per two innings. Uh, and he's been really good. Spock's a guy that they really loved his stuff coming into the year and got roughed up a bit early. Um, but he hasn't allowed a run since the Auburn series. They've got a, a couple, you know, a, a lot of arms in that bullpen, like Josh Blum, who's pitched the most innings of any reliever who hasn't made a start. Uh, and he's only allowed one hit and no runs over his last two innings. And he hadn't allowed a lot since the Auburn series. And as you mentioned, guys like Caden Connolly, Kyle Wish, and Garrett Clark are, are guys that Andy Stankowitz can turn to. And at the beginning of the season, they were testing it out, seeing, you know, who are we comfortable with throwing in big situations? Mm-hmm. And they've got guys now that they're the high leverage guys. And they haven't had to pitch a lot recently because USC has been winning games by a decent amount, but they've also found some guys that can that they can throw out in those medium leverage to low leverage situations that will lead innings and could even be high leverage uh, down the line if USC were an, ending up in you know a game where the bullpen has to work a lot of stressful innings. I think that they have found a lot more confidence in the pen, especially compared to early in the season when everyone was kind of getting hit around. Yeah, the, the pitching staff has continued to develop, and that's the biggest thing. You know, Finding out who you can trust is obviously what the, the first three, four weeks are about, and then you get into conference play, and you got to trust your guys. And that's been, been, been what USC did. You know, They took some lumps early. They're going to take some lumps in the midweek. I think that's going to be a continued trend throughout this season because that shows you that they don't have the depth. Uh, you know, the, you know, the depth on Tuesdays is when you find out when teams have depth or not because, okay, who can you throw on Tuesday? Well, hey, if you have, you know, three solidified starters and your bullpen's good and you have enough peace in the bullpen, you just throw Sarston every Tuesday and you would feel confident that he can give you, you know, five or six. But the fact that he may have to be used on Thursday, I mean, he may have to use these on Friday or Saturday uh, or Saturday, Sunday to, to bridge a gap and you may have to three, three or four innings. You know, that's the, the thing that keeps him from being able to then start on Tuesday and go, you know, five, six, seven innings. So that's what where USC's at right now. They just don't have a four starter really because they need Sodderson to bridge that gap so often. And, you know, he, to his credit, like I said, you know, he got roughed up those first couple of outings or his second and third outings. He's had a three ERA since then. So in 21 innings pitch, he's only given up seven earned runs. Um, you know, and two of the, I think, I think five of those seven were in starts. So, you know, you get a little bit more leeway there. I think five innings, he gave it three runs. Four innings or something, he gave it two, something like that. So, you know, he's been really good for them. And I think, like I said, I think he's going to be the key for them going forward just because they don't have that depth. So I think Tuesdays, if you see them lose a game to LMU tomorrow or you see them lose a game to, you know, whoever may be in the midweek, don't freak out. Midweeks aren't as important as the weekend in college baseball. That You know, the, the committee looks at that. They do look at your win-loss total, but – if you take care of business on the weekends, you're going to get, you know, bumped up a little bit more when it comes to, you know, the the rankings, when it comes to, you know, the the selection committee looking at it. Right now, USC, you know, is is probably on the bubble when it comes to, you know, whether they can be a tournament team right now. We'll see how they do down the stretch, but they've given themselves an opportunity and there's a lot of confidence right now for USC because of the fact that, you know, their group that you know, wasn't expected to do anything, and yet they're in first place. Um, you know, depending on how you look at it, whether it's percentage or whether you look at it as far as win losses, they if you look at it, win losses, they're in first place right now in the Pac-12 by a half game. Um, you know, they they've got an 89 RPI, so obviously they got to do a little bit of work on that, and that'll you know take place if they continue to win games in the Pac-12. That'll work its way out, but they're also a team that shows that they can fight, and they've come back in games, and because of that. 
even if they don't win the Pac-12, if they don't, uh, you know, if they're still sitting on the bubble going into the Pac-12 tournament, you feel confident, hey, this team could win a couple games to give them an opportunity to, to turn some heads there too. So, you know, they, they're not definitely not a solidified team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. But you got to be excited about where this group is at halfway through the season in the first year under Andy Stankiewicz. And that's I think that's the the eye-opening thing about this group is, you know, they, they've turned in some heads. Winning the Stanford the series was huge, huge for their RPI and everything else. And if they can continue to build on what they're doing so far early in the Pac-12 season, this could be a team that gets in and surprises everyone and makes a run uh, to to the NCAA tournament when no one expected them to be uh, – I think they were, they were picked either – Eleventh or or tenth, second to last, only out of Utah. So tenth. So uh, there's only uh, eleven teams in the Pac-12 uh, that have baseball. Come on, Colorado, get your get your shit together. Um, but you know, so for a team that was expected to finish next to last and didn't make the Pac-12 tournament last year, uh, they're sitting pretty as far as making the Pac-12 tournament for sure, and you know, potentially being a team that surprises everyone and earns a NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, and so maybe to wrap this one up, Shrekan, USC's played 27 games. They're 16, 10, and 1. They've got 29 more to go in the regular season, including you've got some big conference matchups with uh, Oregon and UCLA, Arizona, ASU, I think Washington, and that, I believe, wraps it up. They've got you know some matchups with Fullerton. Uh, they've got some other some other midweek matchups as well. Where do you think maybe the ceiling is for the rest of the season, the floor is, and, and in the middle, maybe your expectation? Well, I, I think it's going to be really important this week. If they can take care of business over the next, you know, basically uh, eight, nine days against Loyola Marymount, against San Diego State, against Cal State Fullerton, um, who, you know, all those three teams are are better than you would probably anticipate. Uh, San Diego State's a little bit down this year, but they've been playing much better the last couple of weeks. I, I think that they have the confidence and they can go on the road. You know, the fact that they went to Cal and got a series win, and the fact that they went to Utah and got a series win, I think that's huge for them because they have the confidence that, hey, we can win on the road in the Pac-12, and that means you, you got that many more series at home to potentially play. But the, the series going to Oregon State after uh, next week, uh, after Easter, you know, when they go to Oregon State, I, I think that's going to be a real eye-opening series because Oregon State's kind of in a situation where they're not playing quite as good as they're, they're used to. They've got some young guys, but – they're a thorn in USC side, uh, you know, when it, you know, when it comes to anything, any sport really, but uh, you know, in baseball, they've been the dominant program uh, along with UCLA in the PAC 12 for, uh, for the better part of two decades. So, you know, if they can go up there and make a little bit of noise, I, I think this team has a chance to finish in the top three or four in the PAC 12. Now the schedule obviously gets much tougher in the PAC 12. You know, you played Cal, you played Washington state, you played Utah. That's probably the three teams that are the you know going to finish in the in the bottom third of the of the conference. Arizona State's playing really well too. Um, so the middle section, I feel like Stanford and UCLA are going to be at the top at the end of the season, um, but the middle section is going to be all bunched up. So how can do you, where do you finish from three to eight? Um, that's going to be the big question. I think USC can definitely finish in the top half of, of the conference. And I, I think that if they can win at Oregon State, it will give them a lot of confidence that they, you know, they are a team that, that can be messed with um, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's like a real barometer kind of a series because even if you mentioned you still go into Corvallis and we said it during the football season that weird things happen in Corvallis and uh, it's it's 
you we always even when those those kind of teams aren't playing up to their normal standards they can break out bust out the bats at any point they can shut you down on the mound especially at home in Corvallis which is a tough place to go play but I agree and I think even if you know maybe they drop two games in that series they've still set themselves up in a very very good spot in year one under Andy Stankiewicz in the Pac-12 being their Pac-12 conference record nine and three right now they're in a really, really good spot. And they've already won more games in the conference this year than they did last year. So either way, it's a relative win for for the new coaching staff. I think it's a relative win for the fans that are listening into this podcast. Um, but I think that you and I both agree that there's potential for the team to really make some splashes down the stretch of this season. But even then, going into what they've done so far, at least, going into recruiting for next year, building a roster that we mentioned has some young talent, Austin O'Vern. You also have Ethan Hedges, who's only a freshman. Some of these other guys that we've mentioned, and Deuce Robinson, potentially coming next year it's a team that Pac-12 should probably look out for for the next couple of years because it seems like they're kind of waking up yeah definitely it feels like the the sleeping giant 12 national championships twice as many as anyone else in college baseball which is an absolutely ridiculous number um, but the fact that they've been down for two decades has been just you know tear down the cheek as a college baseball fan um, you know, you want to see USC be good because it's good for the game uh, of college baseball. And it'd be great to see them get back and be consistently a contender in the Pac-12. And, you know, so far, Andy Stankwitz has shown that, you know, with the staff that he has, I think it's an amazing staff that they've got um, alongside of Andy Stankwitz that they're heading in the right direction for sure. Um, and we're going to be here to kind of chronicle it the rest of the season, hopefully, uh, you know, and you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed a, a college baseball, a USC baseball podcast. And, you know, for those of you who don't, if you made it all this way, congratulations for not being able to find the, the pause or stop button anywhere. I mean, you know, it's, that's an amazing feat for you. But I think that's going to wrap it up. Jack, any final thoughts on what you've seen so far from the Trojans or what you're expecting, you know, coming up against LMU and San Diego State? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is an important week because, as you mentioned, I don't think USC can just take a, a week off. You know, it's not a Pac-12 week for them. They're playing out of conference for all four games, and they're coming back from from a road trip where they had to stay an extra day. But I think it's a week that they have to realize, hey, we're not a team that can just afford to go out and lose these games um, because we're building a pretty good season here. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how seriously they take all four of these games. But from what I've heard that that Andy Stanko has told you. And from what we've seen from the team so far, I don't think that they're just going to uh, roll over and wait for the next Pac-12 series. I think they're going to come out and we'll see if they're playing the same brand of baseball because it's, it's been pretty good lately. Yeah. Again, you know, short week getting back from Utah, your short week as far as compressed schedule with the Pac-12 moving the series. Uh, you know, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series this week against San Diego state, but you got to take care of business. This is a, this is a week where, and it'll be an interesting, you know, kind of look into this team is, they're not hunting anymore. They're the hunted. So, you know, they're, you know, they're the team that's got off to a great start. Now teams are really paying attention to them. You know, people are going to be diving in those scouting reports even that much more against USC. So, you know, how do they kind of handle that? That's going to be interesting to see as well. And, and we'll, we'll be around to, to see how, how it goes. But that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, the USC Baseball Edition. Thanks so much to Jack Smith for joining me. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling. And hopefully we will see you guys next time as we break down how the Trojans do against LMU and San Diego State next week. CB 
BS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.